So uh, there's a lady, and she meets a sailor. And uh, they fall in love, start dating. They're talking about marriage. And it turns out that both of them, uh, they each own a parrot. And But what's odd is this. Is each one of them has only been able to teach their parrot to say one thing. And so the lady's parrot, the only thing it can say is, uh, let us pray. But the sailor has taught his parrot to say, kiss me, baby. And so now they've been dating for a while. And like I said, they're talking about marriage. So they decide, hey, we need to get our parrots together and put them in the same cage. And maybe, maybe one of them or both of them will learn to say something new. And so they put them in the cage together. And then the lady parrot speaks first and says, let us pray. And then the sailor's parrot says, kiss me, baby. And then the lady's parrot says, my prayers are answered. <laughs> so today's message is not about kissing, all right? Today's message, we've been going through uh, the book of Matthew, and we've actually been working through uh, the Sermon on the Mount. And we're in uh, chapter 6 today, uh, so you can be turning there if you have a Bible. Um, but today's message is called From the Heart. And uh, it has to do with how uh, we want to live uh, from a heart of worship towards God. 24-7, all the time. Uh, not to receive praise from men, but to receive praise from God alone. And in fact, in the same uh, passage from uh, verses 1 through 18, uh, that's also where Jesus taught them how to pray. But the same principle runs through all 18 verses. In fact, through the, the whole Bible. How God wants us to live for Him out of our hearts and not just from our lips. Our three points today are going to be favor, Father and fasting. So again, you can be turning to Matthew chapter 6. Three points. Favor, Father, fasting. Let's pray together and let's see what God has for us. Dear Lord, we thank you for this morning. We thank you in all things. Uh, you are sovereign and you are an awesome God. And Lord, what a privilege it is to know you and to be able to have a relationship with you. Lord, I pray you'd speak to every one of us today, every one of us in the building, anyone listening online. God, I pray you would convict us of the times when when we're really looking uh, for men's favor rather than yours. And I pray, Lord, that you would teach us to love you first and to live for you with a whole heart, Lord. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Okay, our first point today is favor, uh, which raises a question. Whose favor are you seeking? Whose approval? And when I ask you the question, believe me, I'm asking myself as well. Whose favor are you seeking? Whose approval? Are you seeking the favor of men? Or are you seeking the favor of God? So we begin in Matthew chapter 6, verse 1. And here Jesus is speaking and he says this, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. There's an idea I learned a long time ago. And it's this idea to practice the presence of an audience of one. To practice the presence of an audience of one. You know, when I was growing up and I thought about church, I thought... The guy on stage was the one who was the actor. 
And then I felt like everyone in the congregation was the audience. But in fact, that's not true. When we gather for church, it's God who is wanting to be worshipped. Whether we're singing, as we're listening to the message, he's the one that is able to watch each one of our hearts. Sometimes we think we can, but we really can't. Only he can do that. And he really is the audience. Even though there may be someone on stage, whether you know, you're in music or, or preaching, the fact is God is the audience. And if we would learn to live that way, to practice the presence of an audience of one and to seek his approval and his applause. You know, when the praise team comes together uh, to practice, and especially, you know, by, by Sunday morning, uh, we're asking ourselves these kind of questions. Am I right with God? Uh, have I been spending time with him that no one else sees? Am I seeking his approval? Our prayer uh, as a team is that we wouldn't be a distraction when it comes time um, to worship God. What we hope is that uh, you wouldn't be thinking about the vocals, uh, the instrumentals, or anything going on in the sound booth. But our deepest desire is that you would be freed up to think about God and God alone and to be able to really worship Him. It's our hope and our prayer that even before you walk in this building, that your heart is already prepared to worship Him. And then by the time the message goes out, that same idea that hopefully you're not critiquing the speaker okay but instead that as you're hearing the words that you would ask god god what do you have for me today what are you trying to tell me today regardless of the instrument that just happens to be here on stage that in some way you could forget that person and that you would try to hear the prompting of the holy spirit god what is it that you're trying to tell me uh, when I think about worship, um, I think about there was two events that um, that come to my mind when I was really uh, just in the midst of a um, of an experience that that uh, stood out to me over the years of when I thought, wow, this, it was just a real powerful moment of worship. But both events were very different. One of them, uh, I was at my first Promise Keepers event. And if you remember those Promise Keepers uh, um, conferences uh, for men. And uh, this one was in Houston in the Astrodome. And so, I don't know, 50, 60,000 men. And we were raising our voices to God. And at, at some point, the 20-piece band stopped playing. And it was just voices being raised up. And right our worship was going up to God, but our voices were bouncing off that ceiling. And it was just a powerful moment. And I remember lots of people uh, in the room just being moved emotionally. The other event I remember was in Mexico, uh, just across the border, when we had a small group of youth from the youth group, actually, from, from right here in Trinity. It's been a long time ago. And uh, uh, the only musical instruments we had we had a cheap little guitar that was really more like a toy than it was a guitar. Uh, you wouldn't find this guitar hanging in a, uh, in a music store. And in fact, it could barely keep its tune. But we had that guitar and then we had a, uh, one of our students was a skilled guitarist. And meanwhile, 
Um, one of the other guys was a skilled percussionist. He found a milk crate. And just by playing around with that crate, he found about five or six different sounds on that crate. Now, every night we were in Mexico, we would take time to worship God. But there was just one night, and I cannot explain why it was, but there was one night when you've heard about people will say, like, the spirit broke forth. It was just a night where the guys and girls just spontaneously, people just began crying. Now, every night we had the same instruments, basically the same music. We were in this little bitty, not even well-lit room with, with some of the fluorescent lights were working. Some were not. But there was a moment there that the Holy Spirit met with us. And it's one that I remember, and I know those young people do as well. My point is this, y'all. Once I was in a stadium with 60,000. And once I was in a small room with about 20 or 25. And so it's not about the size. It's not about the instruments. It's just about a moment with Almighty God. And the fact is what he wants from us is that we would experience those kind of moments, whether we're in a crowd, whether we're alone, uh, whether you're in your car. You know, <laughs> Did you know you can actually worship God while you're driving? You don't have to have other things come out of your mouth. But that's a whole nother topic, right? Galatians 1, verse 10 tells us this. It says, For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please men? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. Let me just throw out the question, y'all. Where is your heart? How is your heart? Isaiah describes a place where um, where God was displeased with something that his people were doing, even though they were his chosen people. It describes it this way in Isaiah 29. Um, and I did not jot down the verse, but it's in there. If you look at Isaiah 29, it says this. The Lord said, because this people draws near me with their mouth and honors me with their lips while their hearts are far from me. So there's that lip service. Uh, in fact, that's probably where we got the idiom about lip service, right? Their lips are saying the right thing, but their heart, their heart was far from God. If you miss this point that I just covered, um, you're going to miss the majority of what Christ is trying to say that, that's woven through the whole 18 verses in, the, in this uh, sixth chapter. The main idea, y'all, is about the heart. So now we move on to verse 2. He says this, thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Same theme. You see that? Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. Verse three. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. That picture is one of intimacy. Going back to verse 2, it talks about this. When you give to the needy. You know, there's a lot of ways to give to the needy. And I mean, I don't know about you, but every time as I'm driving, I see needy people everywhere, right? Uh, lots of things have changed in our country. And I just want to throw out some options. Um, one is, I don't know if you realize this, but when you give to the church, like Randy was mentioning earlier, a portion of what you give goes into a benevolence fund. And, you know, I'm just saying that that's just one way that you're actually, you're not just giving to the church, but you're actually giving uh, to the needy. 
there's um, opportunities that come up sometimes to serve those who are in need. For example, Reach Global Ministry has been um, taking a crew of folks every few weeks over to Lake Charles. And right, they still have need from, um, you know, the, the hurricane and all that kind of thing. Here's a simple thing. We all have acquaintances, right? And all of us, including ourselves, are sometimes the person in need. And sometimes just a little simple list, y'all. It doesn't have to be big. It could be, it could be cooking a meal for someone. It could be doing their yard work just to get them through a rough time. Uh, it could be cleaning up their home or even babysitting their kids. I'm just saying it doesn't have to be a gigantic, difficult thing. There's lots of ways to help those in need. And sometimes, just an example, sometimes uh, there might even be a stranger that's sitting maybe right outside a restaurant or just inside. And if the Lord prompts your heart, just to buy him a little meal, right? Just something simple like that and maybe a, a brief word from the Lord. Um, I want to throw this out to you young people just so you know this. If you ever... Seriously, if you ever give to uh, a stranger, you don't want to pull your wallet out in public, okay? So talk to your parents about that, but I just want to throw that out there just, just for safety's sake, okay? There's ways, there's ways to help the needy without um, endangering ourselves, okay? Um, verse 4 goes on with this. It says, so that your giving may be in secret. Your Father who sees in secret will reward you. He's looking for intimacy. He's looking more not for how you can, um, you know, show off before other people, but God is wanting that between you and him. It makes your relationship with him closer together. You know how it is like even when you were kids, right? When you had a secret or even as an adult, if you share something with someone that you don't want being passed on, it brings you closer together. Well, God is wanting that same thing with you and me. He wants us to, to do right simply because it pleases the Father. It pleases the audience of one. And then there's rewards involved too. He mentions rewards. There's nothing wrong with seeking those rewards from him. Remembering this, y'all, we don't get to keep them anyway, okay? One day we place those at the feet of Christ, and that's how we give him thanks. So the whole thing works well. It's a privilege to serve the Lord, and it is our responsibility as well. Verse 5 begins talking about prayer. He says, and when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. Did you hear him say that earlier? Don't be like the hypocrites. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door And pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. So verse 5, he mentions the hypocrites again. He says, don't be like them because they're trying to be seen by others. And then he says this, the disciples of Christ, those who follow Christ, should have the opposite attitude of what the hypocrites have. So he's just told you what not to do. So common sense but then he spells it out as well in verse 6 he says go into your room king james uses the word closet okay and so i actually have a sister-in-law who did that for years and maybe some of you do that as well in fact there was that movie i think it was called war room where a lady actually literally went into her closet and that's where she would pray in fact she said she would go in there and do battle 
right? We even sing a song around here about uh, the battle belongs and how when I fight, I fight on my knees, okay? But the idea, again, he says in verse 6, go into your room, shut the door, pray to the Father who is in secret. I always tell the young people, and I'm, I'm telling you as well, your time alone with God is something that no one else sees. And so you and God know how often or how randomly, right? He knows how little or how much. And I always try to, seriously, I always try to teach the young people this. You know, you start feeling guilty and so you decide, man, I'm going to spend an hour with God today. I'm going to start with an hour. And what happens is you start with an hour and then the second day, that hour's kind of dragging along and you're daydreaming. Third day becomes 10 minutes and then it's gone. And so I always try to teach the young people, start small. It's not about trying to, to block out a huge amount of time. It's about who you're spending time with. Make that time for God that no one else sees, right? In secret, it builds intimacy with the Almighty God. And then little by little, that desire to spend time with Him will grow. Um, I know people who love to pray and just and stay in one spot and pray for a long period of time. And my prayer life has never looked like that. I can't say never, but not often. Okay. My prayer life has been more just, you know, more scattered through the day. There's a, that time alone with God that I like to have in the morning. And then, but there's other times just through the day that I try to talk and listen to God. All right. So uh, let me give you three suggestions. Um, before you decide to uh, pray in your closet, just three suggestions about this. Okay, so number one, uh, first thing you want to do if you're going to pray in your closet is clean it. Okay, all right. Number two is stay awake. And number three is don't invite your friends. Okay, that kind of defeats the purpose, all right? All right, brings us to our second point today. Uh, our second point today is Father. So as Jesus continues... Uh, in, the, in this portion of the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, he continues talking about God. Uh, and, and you have to think about it this way, y'all. Um, sometimes it helps. Like I try to think, if I've never heard this story before, like how does it strike me? Okay. And so you have to remember that up until this time in history, uh, the Jewish people, right? The Hebrews, the, God's people, as they followed God, they knew him as the great I am. And they also knew him as having the unspeakable name, right? Y-H-W-H that, you know, we'll say is Yahweh. But he had that unspeakable name. And that's the names by which they knew him. And a few other names. Jesus comes along and says, oh, you can call him Father. Imagine how that struck them, you know, when as they heard that for the first time. Okay, you and I probably grew up that way, hearing that, you know, as a, right, it's just kind of part of you, you just know you can call God Father. But they didn't think of it that way. And so, just think of what a new thought that would have been. So we go into uh, verse 7, and Jesus says this, When you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Okay, so plain and simple, right? He's saying you don't need elegant words. Hopefully that makes some of us feel good in here. Okay, I'm, 
I'm not the most elegant person, right? But it's nice to know. I don't have to try to impress God with my vocabulary. Uh, I don't need a lot of repetitious phrases, okay? Um, and the fact is he knows he knows my needs already, right? And he knows yours. So the rule of thumb that I always like to go by is this. Um, short prayers in public, long prayers in private, okay? It's just a principle, right? When we're public, so that I'm not trying to show off to anybody, I'm just going to have a short prayer when I talk to God. And then in private, in secret, when no one else sees, that's when my prayers should be longer, okay? Again, we're talking about the principle from the heart, not just lip service. Matthew 6, verse 9. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Just a couple of observations, y'all. Number one. It's short and simple. When you see it written out like this, I mean, it's all just on one slide. Okay, just one little short prayer. And the intent was not that it would be repeated over and over and over. Although sometimes, right, if it comes from your heart, it's fine to pray these exact words. But the intent, he had just said, don't pray a bunch of vain repetitions. You know, because it gets to where you repeat something over and over and over, right? You, you, You quit thinking about it. So you want to make sure if you ever decide to pray this prayer, right, just verbatim, then, you know, make sure, right, it's coming from your heart. But first thing is short and simple. Second thing is this, that it honors him. The very first thing that it says is that hallowed be your name, holy be your name. And so we want to honor God when we pray. The third thing it does is it reveals our need. If you see the little phrases that I, that I underline there, give us, forgive us, lead us, deliver us somewhere in our prayer. We should stop and remember that we need him. God does not need us. Do you need to hear that again? God is not impressed with anything you and I ever do. Okay. He made, we were talking about this the other day. He made everything out of nothing. Right? God doesn't need us, y'all. So, short and sweet. Um, honor him. And, and remember, you know, our needs. Uh, as we come to him. One of the biggest compliments I ever got about uh, a prayer I actually prayed in public. And, and this is important as, as I tell the story. I wasn't looking for a compliment, okay? Um, uh, uh, I was asked to do a funeral. I didn't know the family. And uh, it was a young man in his, in his young 20s. And he had been murdered, okay? Um, and there's more to that story. But um, uh, I have spoken at, at quite a few funerals over the years. Um, probably especially because for a while, like I was a chaplain in hospice. And so there was just, you know, uh, often people would ask me if I would just speak at the funeral. Um, and so I would say that uh, in all those funerals I've done, um, some some are more emotional than others. And so there's been quite a few where, where maybe I got choked up for a moment or two. I don't know what it was. Uh, I, I'll chalk it up to the Holy Spirit. But in this particular funeral... Um, once I'd met with the family, and you can imagine how difficult that was, right? How do you bring words of hope uh, in the midst of what they were dealing with? And I'm a stranger when I walk in their door the first time. Um, but to talk to this mom and his brother 
And I mean, you know, their loved one is gone and he had been murdered. And I said this part of it was his fault. So here we were at this funeral and the music was playing. And when I stood up in front of the funeral, uh, what went through my mind was um, uh, the verse about Jesus looked on the crowds and he had compassion because they were like sheep without a shepherd. I'm starting to feel it right now. That's weird how you go back all of a sudden. You know, I, I intend to do that. But my point is this, y'all, is all of a sudden, there I am looking at this crowd, seeing these people, you know, young people, adults. You know, of course, they're crying. It is a sad moment. And the music stops, and it's time for me to pray. And I'm telling you, I mean, I broke down. And... um yeah, like it was about two minutes or three minutes or so. And I just, I mean, I literally wept through this prayer uh, and then said amen. And I was still choked up as I began the message that day, trying to bring hope, trying to tell the story of Christ. The compliment I received was uh, the mom told me a few days later that her son's, right, her deceased son's uh, friends came to her afterwards. And they said, um, they said, <laughs> that guy sounded like he was talking to God. Okay. You get what I'm saying? You know, the prayers they had heard before sounded right, pre-written and canned. I mean, what a compliment, y'all. Um, again, I wasn't seeking that. But what an honor that in the midst of that moment that God was speaking to those young people. And if nothing else, if they heard nothing else, what they heard was a person who really loves God and had a heartfelt prayer to God. That's what God's looking for, y'all. All the time, 24-7. He wants us to love him 24-7 from our hearts, not just from our lips and mouths. All right, chapter 6, verse 14. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Now, this is one of the most confusing uh, verses in the New Testament. So let's kind of camp out on it for a bit because it looks like what it's saying is that uh, forgiveness from God is conditional. Um, so let's talk about salvation first, because God clearly throughout the Bible and specifically throughout the New Testament makes it very clear that if you and I are to be saved, if you and I are to have eternal life with God and to be able to live in heaven with God, the only way we can receive forgiveness is through what Christ has done for us. Christ died for our sins and rose from the dead. And when we put our faith in him, that's when he saves us. That's why he's called the Savior. I think I say that every time I preach, okay? Because it's so important that we understand that. That if our salvation depended on anything that we do, then we would botch it up. So praise God, it depends on him. He has already done the work and he waits for us to put our faith in him. So first, let's look at... um Let's look at what he tells us in the book of Romans just to clarify what it takes 
to be saved. Okay, just this is just one of the places in Romans chapter three, beginning of verse twenty one. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Verse twenty two: the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Y'all, throughout the Bible and throughout the New Testament, God clears it up that salvation is a gift that he gives us that we simply receive. So this forgiveness that Jesus is talking about in Matthew 6 is a different idea. And the idea is this, is that once you are saved, nothing can change that. Once you have received God's eternal life, once the Holy Spirit lives within you, he will never leave you or forsake you. But when you and I uh, are, are living in deliberate sin, we we hurt our relationship with God. And it's like we it's like we break the relationship, although we are still his children. So let me give you a, f- a few illustrations that might help with this. OK, one is um, Connie and I. Right. We've been married. 33 years, okay? And this may surprise you, but sometimes Connie and I have had conflict, okay? And let me just say it now, most of the time it's my fault, all right? But here's the deal. When we have conflict, we usually speak less to each other, right? Until we resolve that conflict. Um, You know, there's a gap between us, but yet we're still married, right? The standing of our relationship has not changed, But until, you know, uh, and usually, like I say, it's my fault. But until I come and ask her for forgiveness, then our relationship isn't restored, right? Our standing is the same. We're still married. Does that make sense? But until, you know, one of us is willing to come to the other and ask for forgiveness, it's like that relationship is not restored. It's like there's a gap there, okay? Um, another example is with is with my kids, right? Over the years, there's been time, and let's just do it in one direction where they have offended me or, or broken, you know, one of the rules of our home. Well, they're still my children, right? Nothing changes that. But until we're able to talk through the part about forgiveness and them asking for forgiveness, then there's a gap in our relationship. They're still my children, but our relationship is not restored till they ask forgiveness. And that's the idea it's talking about here. Okay. It's salvation is free and it's through Christ the Savior. But our relationship with God, uh, it's like there's, there's something in between us until we get that right with Him. Okay. Um, yeah. Sorry. Right. So let me give you an example about my kids. Uh, let me give you another one. Okay. So. Uh, when, when three of my kids were, were, were small, I think Ian was too itty bitty yet, but so this is when I had the, the two girls and Tim. And so I used to just, you know, uh, and dads will do this. You start tickling one and the other one jumps in and you're tickling another one. And then, you know, uh, even though I was outnumbered, I mean, they were small enough where I could, I could still take them at the time, you know? And so at one point, uh, I had, uh, Kristen and Tim and I had them on the ground and they're facing up at me and I'm tickling, I'm tickling each one with one of my hands, right? While I'm doing that, I'm not focused on where my other daughter, Emily, was until my ears began hurting, okay? What happened was Emily saw her chance while my hands were tied up. She jumped on my back and grabbed onto my ears and she was playing evil Knievel, 
All right. So my ears, right. It's like my head was part of her motorcycle, you know, and she just rum, rum, just doing that, you know. And and like I say, I was tickling the other two until suddenly <laughs> I'm going to. I'm going to say, I felt some terrible pain in both my ears, right? So I reach back and grab her. It's like, oh, there's the third one, you know, and I, and I you know, flip her down. We're all still laughing, you know. But after a little bit, I, I, I realize uh, I feel one of my ears throbbing, you know, and I reach in there and I feel something moist. And I look at my hand and my right ear was bleeding. Well, then I feel the other ear doing the same thing. And I reach in there, both my ears. What was she doing up there? You know, that's because Connie raised our kids, y'all. But um, but here's the point, y'all. I wasn't even angry about it. OK, but I mean, Emily sees that. Right. And until she could say, sorry, dad, you know, what I'm saying. And once she says that, then we're good and we can just go on, keep playing, you know, and uh, y'all can pray for my ears. Um uh, but that's the same idea with God, y'all. Once we've trusted Christ, nothing, nothing breaks that off. Uh, we're always His children once, once He has become our Father. But we can hurt that relationship and things aren't, aren't right with us until we come back to Him and just admit our faults and, and get that right with Him. Okay? Our third point today is fasting. And here Jesus, uh, goes a little further, kind of the same topic. But He says in verse 16, he says, when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. Do you get that, y'all? It's the same thing he's been talking about the whole message, right? Don't be like those hypocrites. They do it to be seen by men. Do it for the Father. Do it for your relationship with God. Verse 17, when you fast, anoint your head, wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. That same idea, y'all, about in secrecy. The Father is seeking intimacy with each one of us, y'all. He wants a close relationship with each one of us. I remember two different times um, that uh, I fasted. One of them, I'm going to say, was placed upon me. And let me explain the story. When I was being trained in youth ministry, this years ago when I was, long time ago. I mean, I'd just been out of college maybe a year or so. Um, but I was being trained for campus life ministry. And, um, and so about 20 of the interns, 15 or 20 interns, you know, we went to be trained in Georgia at this real nice camp. It was owned by uh, Steve Bartkowski, used to quarterback Atlanta. You know, I didn't get to meet him. Anyway, so there we were. And, uh, you know, and it's, it's really fine. And we're, we're learning about the disciplines of the Lord, about praying, about giving, just all these attitudes of the heart. And then you have to know, y'all, um, in case you don't know this about me, I love food. Okay, I love to eat. And the only thing I like more than that is dessert, you know. And so um, and so but back then, my metabolism was a lot faster than it is, which means I could eat. And I mean, I'm telling you, half hour later, I could eat a full meal again. It's like as I just love food. Okay, all right. Now, we just finished lunch and we're putting away the plates. and All the food's gone. Let's set that training thing. And all of a sudden, the guy leading it says, okay, we're going to begin a 30-hour fast, right? Now, the way it appeared to me was that all the other interns thought, oh, yes, that'll be good for our hearts and our spirits. Guess what I was thinking? 
30 hours, no food. That's crazy. You know, for 30 hours, y'all, we fasted. But I'm going to tell you, my heart was not in it. All I was thinking about was how much longer, how much longer, right? That's not what God wants when we fast. Now, let me tell you a, a completely different story. Just a few years later, um, my dad, who, who I mentioned here and there, um, uh, my dad was an alcoholic. He didn't know the Lord. Um, he got diagnosed with cancer. And the doctors told us by the time they discovered it, they said it is just all throughout his body. And we expect him to live no longer than five months. And they were correct. I mean, almost to the day from when they said that. My prayer for him was that he would come to know the Lord before he died. And so I prayed and prayed and prayed. And y'all, uh, he just kept pushing it away. Like he did not want to talk about God. And so with about, um, and I didn't know it, right? Cause you know, I didn't know when he was actually going to die. It turns out about, about four or five days before he died. Um, I can't explain it any other way. I felt led to fast and pray for my dad. And I share this because it was only a couple of years since the other example I just gave you. Y'all, I still loved food, okay? But now there was a much important, uh, more important need that came before me and came to my heart. And so nobody told me to, and I didn't tell anybody. Um, I just felt prompted of the Lord. I need to fast uh, for my father. And I wasn't fasting that, you know, for the outcome. Like, in other words, I'm not going to eat again until he gets saved because I didn't know if he was going to trust Christ or not. Okay. But I did want to pray and fast until he would at least hear the message. And so long story short, um, just a little over 24 hours later, um, he was willing to hear it. And praise God, y'all. Uh, I mean, he was he was also ripe for the picking and was ready to receive Christ. And it was just a couple of days later that uh, he passed on. Uh, and I really could have the joy and peace knowing that he was going to be with the Lord. Okay. My main point is this, y'all, is that something like praying and fasting, again, like everything else we've been talking about this morning, it's got to come from your heart. And what Jesus wants, just like prayer and everything else, is you do it before God, right? Not to get that praise before anyone else. Okay, so that brings us to our application. So just two thoughts. Number one, practice serving an audience of one. And number two, pray. All right. So um, I thought we could do this today, y'all. I'd like us to stand together and pray that prayer that the Lord um, taught his disciples. Could we stand together? And let's let's pray together, y'all, from our hearts. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Can we bow our heads for a moment? Dear Lord, I pray that that this would be uh, the prayer of our hearts, Lord, and that we would love you out of our hearts. Lord, we thank you in Christ's name. Amen.
All right, Trinity, you're dismissed. Go make disciples.